0: Hi, John Schwab here, and welcome to a very special episode of the Curtain Call Theater Podcast, Episode 3 of our Come From Away series, Welcome to the Rock. Rarely have we had the opportunity to take you on a real deep dive into a show, like we'll be doing with this series. In this episode, you'll hear from the producers of Come From Away, including Sue Frost.
1: You know, we did not realize that we we were embracing uh, an entire community that became so much a part of our lives.
2: John Brandt. It felt very early on, like people were going in not knowing what to expect and were coming out feeling very differently than they thought they were going to feel. Yeah. And we saw the word of mouth start to motor pretty quickly.
0: And Randy Adams. There were like three strikes against
3: this show, even though we loved it. The title didn't been anything. Uh, it was always going to be an ensemble cast, so there are never going to be any stars. And people are going to call it the 9-11 musical. <laughs> and all of those things could be negative or they could be positive. We yeah. just had to figure out how to best use uh, the assets and so forth we have. And,
0: and if you didn't know already, Come From
4: Away tells the true story of when 38 planes and thousands of passengers were diverted to this tiny community in Newfoundland on the northeast corner of North America. And people were invited into uh, the locals' homes. They were given everything, fed, housed, uh, and people changed their lives there. They fell in love, uh, they, they made lifelong friendships, and it's this extraordinary story of kindness set against the backdrop of this terrible tragedy.
0: You just heard the voice of David Hine, one of the writers of Come From Away. But where and when did this incredible story begin? How did a band of producers take the story of a small rural community on a Canadian island who were involved in the events of one of the most tragic days in human history and then turn it into one of the biggest shows in modern times? Find out in this series of Welcome to the Rock. Come Away shares the incredible real-life story of the 7,000 airline passengers from all over the world who were grounded in Canada during the wake of 9-11 and the small Newfoundland community that invited these Come From Aways into their lives. As uneasiness turned into trust and music swirled into the night, gratitude grew into friendships and their stories became a celebration of hope, humanity, and unity. In episode one of this series, you heard from the creative team and the cast as they took their journey from workshops to Broadway and the West End. In episode two, the real people behind the musical Come From Away introduced you to the Newfoundlanders who gave inspiration to the show's writers David Hine and Irene Sankoff. In this episode, we're going to find out why the show continues to have success on Broadway and beyond and just what the plan was for making sure the message of the show was carried forward as shows were announced and opened around the U.S., leading to a European premiere. Behind great musicals are great stories. Behind great stories are great writers. And behind great musicals and the writers are great producers. And Come From Away has just that. A team of producers and co-producers that believed in the message of Come From Away, and that that message could and should be brought to as wide an audience as possible. We have been privileged to be able to chat with a number of the producers of Come From Away, both in America and England, and allow them to take you through their journey. So, how did that journey start? Sue Frost and Randy Adams, two of the producers at Junkyard Dog Productions, talk about meeting David and Irene.
1: So we met, had met them before Come From Away was even thought of, and um, and we stayed in touch with them and actually went to visit them when Memphis was on tour in Toronto. And they told us they were starting a workshop of this show called Come From Away, <laughs> which was about 9-11. We're like, good luck with, good that. Luck with that. Good luck um, with that. And didn't pay much more attention to it until they did it in a festival of new works, the NAMP Festival in 2013, and we just fell in love with it. We didn't know what it was, and we didn't know where it was ultimately gonna go, but we just really wanted to be part of it.
0: Junkyard Dog producers Kenny and Marlene alhadaf were also at the NAMPT Workshop Showcase Productions and had the same visceral response.
5: And we knew nothing about it, except what everybody had kind of said is, oh, it has something to do with 9-11. So there was a lot of concern and question, a musical with 9-11. The moment it started, you knew that it was more. And what told me that more than anything was a woman about five rows in front of us at the viewing. An elegant woman, tall, well-dressed, who stood up before it started and said to her friend, I'm sorry, I have to leave. She's from New York, this is about 9-11, and her friend said, please, don't go. I know what it really is about. She sat back down, and at 45 minutes, when it was done, I looked over, they were holding each other, tears were streaming down her face, and she was saying to her friend, thank you. I turned to Kenny and I said, please be the first one at the table. People always remember the first one at
0: the table, not knowing for sure if anybody else would show up. but." You will remember the first person. Kenny says, I'm Kenny Alhadoff, and I'm winner." Tony award winner. I want to do your
5: show. <laughs> and of course, Randy and Sue were in love with it, too.
0: The show was extremely popular, and had a number of producers clamoring to sign it up.
3: David and Irene were meticulous about, you know, uh, when they did the festival here, there was a fair amount of interest, and so they literally went through and met with everybody and talked with everybody and um, I think because maybe we had a small relationship with them before and what we thought about the show and what we thought should happen with it, uh, they ultimately decided to go with us, which was great. Uh, and then they, you know, spoke with various uh, directors and so forth to find who they thought was going to work best with them and how somebody that they felt they could really uh, collaborate with and, and make the show better and Chris. Uh, was their choice as well. So that made us very happy. It was good that it all worked out that way, and uh, we all felt good about that. And, uh, and away they went, and look what happened.
0: The producers at Junkyard Dog knew they had a show, but they hadn't yet decided exactly what they were going to do with Come From Away right out of the blocks.
1: We did not have a Broadway plan in place. Well, I think every show is
3: different. You sort of, part of hopefully your job as producer is sure to figure out what that path is for each of those shows to give it its best chance. Uh, on this one, we knew there was no hurry and that part of our challenge was the education about the show. Uh, we learned fairly quickly on uh, in La Jolla that, uh, okay, because when we went to La Jolla, we weren't sure it was a Broadway show, to be honest.
0: With the show being developed and performed at the La Jolla Playhouse, Randy and Sue started to seek out producers who they believed would share their excitement and passion for Come From Away, and that could help plan for the show's future. John Brandt from Smith & Brandt Theatricals in London was contacted by Junkyard Dog. Uh,
2: We were producing Memphis uh, alongside Randy & Sue, and they had for a long period of time been telling us about this new musical they were working on, uh, which was uh, a Canadian musical set in this small town uh, about around 9-11. So, (laughs) and they they mentioned it a lot, and me and Joe never really could could kind of uh, get our head around it. Frankly, we thought it was crazy, if I'm honest. It was a hard sell, and and we really did. We thought they were nuts. So um, we decided one day that it was was probably best for one of us, more from a kind of political, we were working with them, we were very close to them, but also we really trusted them. We trusted their taste. We knew we wanted to work with them in the future. So we decided one of us should go to San Diego and see the show. Also, Chris Ashley had directed Memphis, he was directing Come From Away. So um, I uh, I pulled the the short straw, or the long <laughs> straw, you could say. And um, I flew out to San Diego, and <laughs> um, went and saw a Saturday matinee of Come From Away. And I walked in expecting absolutely nothing from this show. And I walked out 100 minutes later, com- completely bowled over by it and uh, I walked out La Jolla has two exits effectively and I walked out of one exit and Randy walked out of the other exit and he said to me well and I was completely speechless I kind of had never i would never seen anything like it
0: Remember that moment for Kenny Alhadoff at the NAMP Festival? See if the story from John Brandt sounds a little familiar
2: and there were two real moments that also defined it for me. Uh, I, it was so much funnier and happier than I thought it was going to be. Um, and there was a woman sitting a, about about twelve seats down from me in the centre of the row. And La Jolla quite a wealthy area, and she she looked fantastic. She was covered in diamonds, and I, I kind of became quite intrigued by her because she was leaning forward, but she had no emotion the whole way through. And then there is a moment when you find out. Uh, there's a moment at the end of the show when you find out about Unga's uh, baby. Mm. And this woman just broke down crying. And I thought that was so amazing that it had had that effect. And uh, so I just said to Randy, oh my God, it's unbelievable, we're in. And that was it.
0: With the producing and co-producing teams taking shape, the plan to take the show to Broadway also started to become clearer. David Hine. One of the show's writers explains:
4: Testing this Newfoundland story on the opposite coast in San, in San Diego, and then in Seattle, um, and seeing that it resonated with people there. Then being able to go to Washington D.C., which was a, a, a city that was directly affected, bringing the show to Gander, which was uh, life-changing. It was it was so amazing to take the, you know, the stories that these people gave us on the 10th anniversary when we traveled out there, that we were then able to reflect back to them and sh- and, and celebrate them and say, uh, this is this is amazing. Uh, what you did and reflect their culture and their music and at the same time do them in benefit concerts so we were able to give back to them in some way. Um, this path that our producers laid out for the show was incredible.
0: But what was also becoming clearer was just how much the audiences were connecting with the show.
4: You, you know, from the very first show in, in San Diego, um, there was a standing ovation and people started lining up uh, for hours the next day. Uh, I remember the general manager there said uh, she hadn't seen anything like that since Jersey Boys.
0: The show had a successful pre-Broadway run and opened to much success when it got to New York, garnering seven Tony Award nominations, with Christopher Ashley picking up one for Best Director. The producers now had to start thinking of productions beyond Broadway.
1: It's happening earlier and earlier over here. It used to be you'd get a show open and you'd run for a while, and then you'd start plotting out a tour. And I think because there's a lot, uh, there, there are a lot of titles, there are a lot of tours out, um, sometimes the booking is earlier and more aggressive than than it used to be. And I think because, because we had been in Seattle, because we'd been in La Jolla, because we'd been in D.C. and seen how the show played, I think there was interest early on from different markets in the show and really it was just we started to talk about what that tour might look like and when it might go out before we even opened in New York but it really wasn't until after we opened that you know we started to really confirm a route and the and the routing you know is 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 subject to a lot of things but um it really depends on the interest from the from the marketplace. They looked at this show and saw a show that was not going to be a hugely expensive show to tour, and also that was a show that people loved right from the beginning.
0: And did Broadway success guarantee tour success?
1: Well, I think you always have to see how it's going in New York and whether there's um, enough heat on the title to generate interest elsewhere, um... We, we we didn't want to um, set ourselves up to go someplace that didn't feel like it was going to succeed.
0: But they already had one big city in the bag, something Sue Faust says is slightly out of the ordinary.
1: The thing that was a little unusual about um, Come From Away's trajectory is the fact that we um, were so immediately... Uh, as soon as we played our pre-Broadway in Toronto, the Mervishes there um, said to us, we need to come back as soon as possible. And, um, so the fact that we went and did a sit down in Toronto so quickly after we opened in New York, I think was probably the most unusual thing about our journey.
0: And John Brandt explains how it wasn't just the producers making the decisions, but a real collaboration with the whole team.
2: I mean, separate from the producers, you know, it's just a supportive network mm. and it's a respected group. I mean, David and Irene are unbelievable writers. Now yeah. they are brilliant and they are specific, but they listen, they're not demanding, they're none of those things. They put their heart and soul into this show, never thinking it was gonna become this. So there's, again, very genuine people. Yeah. Chris Ashley, Kelly Devine, you know, Ian, all these guys Love the show so much that whenever we are making decisions, it's always about collaboration and it's always about what is best for the show. It's never about what is best for a person, what is best for a ego. It's always about what is best for the show and also what is best for the people that are represented in it. Because we have to remember these are real people. Mm. You know, Kevin O'Rourke died in, those, in the towers. Mm. Hannah was represented in the show that puts a, a bigger perspective on the story we are telling because mm. we are representing people who have lost their lives or lost loved ones so you can't be foolhardy with it mm. it's you owe it too much you owe them too much I've never met Kevin but I have a picture of him and the fireman's prayer on my desk which was given to me by his brother in Dublin
0: wow.
2: but I've never met him mm. but we 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 are custodians of their legacy as well. So you have to just be really always thinking about those things as well.
0: With Come From Away poised to make a triumphant return to Toronto and having tried out the show in numerous cities in the run-up to Broadway, did the producing team think it was going to be easy getting the show out on a tour to cities that had never heard of Gander or Come From Away before? Randy Adams knew it wasn't going to be an easy sell.
3: You know, we always said there were like three strikes against this show, even though we loved it. The title didn't mean anything. Uh, It was always going to be an ensemble cast, so there were never going to be any stars. And people were going to call it the 9-11 musical. (laughs) And all of those things could be negative or they could be positive. We just had to figure out how to best use uh, the assets and so forth we have. And so uh, even though the path was you know, some would say longer than normal. I think it's ultimately what resulted is a success because it's a word of mouth show. We needed to build a lot of buzz and a lot of word of mouth before we actually ever got
2: to New York. This show is, you have to see it, you have to experience it. It's very difficult to explain otherwise. Uh, that's always been our uh, a blessing and a curse. It's our curse because it means that people don't know about it before you land in major cities. They do now because it's a bit more global, but um, But it's also a blessing because when the word of mouth starts to spread, people just go, I'll just go and see it. I'm not going to bother explaining it, just go and see it. The producers and
0: the creative team agreed. They knew what they had to do in order for the show to be a success beyond Broadway. Ensure that the word of mouth was strong. Treat the audiences as part of the story. Here's director Christopher Ashley. I've never
4: done a show where the audience watches the show through the lens of their own experiences strongly. Mm-hmm. Like in North America, the audience is thinking while they're watching the show about where they were at all those moments during the week of 9-11. And some people have told me in the UK that, that, that their friends are, are thinking about their experience of the two bombings or the troubles. Like so everybody has an experience of, of 9-11 or an attack um, or a moment of real political uncertainty and, and attack that, uh, that they're, they're thinking about, they're thinking about themselves and their own story while they're watching our story. And that's, um, and, and lobbies after the show. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how often people want to tell you where they were that day and, mm-hmm. and their own experience. So it's personal for people in a way that I think is thrilling.
0: With the US tour on the road and more cities getting to see the show, the Come From Away community was building every day, with the effect that more and more audience members were reaching out to the producers and cast which only added to the sense of their belonging to the story.
2: It felt very early on, like people were going in not knowing what to expect and were coming out feeling very differently than they thought they were gonna feel. And we saw the word of mouth start to motor pretty quickly.
1: It's been interesting to see as the show progresses and particularly like with the touring company. Well, we're in Cincinnati right now where um, three folks who were diverted on their way to Cincinnati were diverted to, to Newfoundland uh, uh, reached out to us. They just uh, hosted a party for the company. They've become, again, part of this uh, massive extended family that we have. Um, the woman who, uh, after Ralph the Champion Show Dog retired, who took in Ralph the Champion Show Dog, <laughs> start, showed up at the show one day with, a, with, a, with an album of photos of Ralph yeah. to give to Petrina of Barboni. Oh, wow. You know, I mean, we the stories every day. Flight attendants who were on some of those flights. Um, I think what we never really realized when we took this show on was just how expansive this family was going to be. And, and 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 you know, one of the one of the kids who was like the one that they had to go out and get the pampers for. She's 18 years old now, 19 yeah, years old. She, she lives in down. San Francisco. That she, she they came to see the show. So it is one of these. It's like a rolling. Uh, it's like a rolling family reunion wherever we go. It's yeah. kind of great, uh, and it continues. It's it's, a, it's one of the best parts. There's
3: so many stories on so many levels with this show that it, And you know the actors, uh, particularly here in New York, uh, you know when they go out and sign autographs and so forth after the show, people tell them stories all the time. I mean, many and times. Their own personal stories. They're about telling their story as much as about you know thanking them for the performance and so forth. It's fascinating.
0: With each successful production. What have the reactions been like? And do they differ from city to city?
2: Yeah, it's, it's quite interesting because it's very personal mm. personal for a Broadway and uh, New York audience. I mean, that, that was their day. Mm. It happened there. You know, on any given night, you're gonna have people in that audience who lost people during, during that event, I would yeah. imagine. Um, and I feel like there's more of the audience going on a personal journey. They all react the same at the end, if I'm yeah. honest. They all get up and they're all euphoric uh there it feels more cathartic yeah. i would say um in toronto it feels they're just so proud they're yeah. proud of these people they're proud of this story and in a sense it represents canada so well that is what canadians are like i'm married to a canadian girl okay. that's what they're like they yeah. are good welcoming people yeah so when you see it on in in toronto it just feels like the audience is loves it as a piece but again is so just proud they're proud of the story, they're proud of the real people, they're proud of David and Irene.
0: With word of mouth propelling the productions to success around the globe, what next for Come From Away? Can the show play anywhere? John Brandt believes
2: it could. I mean, it remains to be seen. I believe it can, because I believe, I believe the core principles anyone can relate to. I believe that, number one, everyone does know that day. Uh, number two, everyone wants to see, you know, the as we referenced earlier, the kind of good inhumanity that happened that day. No one wants to not see that, no one's not interested in that. Um, I think the other reason people really relate to it is because you're looking on stage and you're seeing people who look like you. You know, when we put this show on TV, it's amazing the response we get. And I think that's because people watch it on TV and it's not, no disrespect, I've produced these shows, but it's not a bunch of very similar looking ensemble members mm-hmm. or dancers. It's like, that woman looks like me. She's in this show, she's wearing car keys and a loose fitting top and she looks like me or she looks like my friend or she looks like my mum. Mm-hmm. And people feel represented by them because they're looking on stage at people who look like them. Um, so I think that's a big draw for it. I think the common themes and again, let's go back to the politics of the world at the moment. The common themes are things that innately at the moment we are starved of and people want more of. Um, I also think it's very funny and I think humour is always going to work. And I think if you, even if it was translated into another language, I think these people look like everyday people. It's still a global story, yeah. there were still people there from. I don't know, Austria, from Africa, from... In, there were people there from all over the world. Yeah. And there are going to be Come From Away's all over the world. And that's, that's, a, big, that's a big entryway for an audience into the show, to see the real-life people. I do feel like it's, it's still got a way to go, mm-hmm. just in terms of growth, because I feel like... Don't underestimate any, any market, I would say, with this show.
0: The Come From Away story goes from strength to strength, with Broadway as a springboard to more international productions, including Australia, and the Australian production just announcing they will tour China next year, did Junkyard Dog envisage that the show would be this big?
1: When we took it on, again we didn't know what its life was going to be. We just knew that it was a great story. It it was an important story because it was a it was a it was it was a. It, it, it said something that we thought was important to say, um, and we did not realize that we were we were taking on a show that was more than a show. You know, we did not realize that we we were embracing uh, an entire community that became so much a part of our lives. Um, the fact that people respond so authentically and genuinely to this story is a tribute to the Newfoundlanders who gave so much of themselves and. And acted in such an extraordinary way, and they—they they don't think they did anything extraordinary. It's just who they are. It's how they live their lives. It's how they survive on that island. And I think it brings everybody back to the basics of what it's—what it means to be a human being, and—and and to have that kind of an opportunity and to share that story, uh, you know, to what is roughly. Three, four, five thousand people a night all over the world mm. is not anything you ever, I don't think it's anything you ever think about when you take on a show, you know, and it's only the reality of that as we move forward that you think about over, you know, 3 million people have seen this and it's, there's no indication that it's going to slow down anytime soon. And that's extraordinary. And and as a producer and somebody who's done this my whole life, I don't know that I anticipated that. I just knew it was a story that I wanted to be part of telling. And and I think that's how how we approach everything. And and I think it's also why we're still so involved uh, with the show on a day-to-day basis. And it it never gets old and it never gets tired. We just, every day you wake up and and wonder what's going to happen next, you know? And it's all good, it's all good.
0: As David Hine and Irene Sankoff make bigger plans for Come From Away, it is still the core values at the heart of the musical that remains its most important message, and one that the entire team are eager to emphasize as the Come From Away community grows with each new city visited, each new production launched, and with each new audience member seeing the show
4: we're just a, we're just starting the process of talking about translations which is really exciting um, we just got a spanish translation uh, done of the show and uh, and it's fascinating oh, when someone sent us me and this guy in french yeah to try to get us yeah. to keep moving it's, in that direction yeah there's discussion about spanish and french uh, and it's amazing. I mean, it's amazing that this show that we, you know, we thought this was this tiny little Newfoundland show, and then it was a much bigger Canadian show, then it was a North American show, and it's it's really a universal show. And uh, you know, what we see time and again is that this was a day when we were all uh, helpless and we all wanted to help. And, and no matter what city you were in around the world, you, this, somehow this resonates with you, and unfortunately becomes more and more relevant because of. The daily tragedies, and the, this show suggests a way that you can respond to those with kindness, and just respond with kindness every day. So we're really hopeful that there's something universal about it, and every time we bring it somewhere, and you know whether they don't know who Tom Brokaw is, you know it, it, there's still something that that resonates with them. We're uh, talking about the film right now, uh, which is which brings us to even more audiences, and um, I, I just we you know it's such a gift to be able to. You know, celebrate your friends and, and, and this, you know, it's not even friends at this point, it's Newfoundland family, they, you know, our Newfoundland family and our theatrical family. So on stage, in every variation, it's our friends playing our friends and telling the story about human kindness and people being good to one another. It's such a gift to be able to share Newfoundland with the world. So, just thrilled to keep doing it.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: So there you have it. The journey of the producers have come from away, who took a gamble on a show that on the surface had everything going against it, but at its heart, has absolutely everything on its side. And in the process of playing Broadway and beyond has continued to have an impact on the professionals involved in the productions, the Newfoundlanders and the come from Aways, And for the audience members who see the show and spread the word that this is a show that must be seen. Join us for the next episode when we sit down with the London cast of Come From Away and talk about their experiences joining the Come From Away community and bringing a hit Broadway show to the West End.